you're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 178th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, we're shifting our conversation to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging with Gwendolyn Tucker. I met Gwendolyn at a business meeting we were both attending and really liked what she had to say about gender equity. As an HR strategist with 20 plus years experience in Fortune 500 companies, consulting with small and medium-sized businesses and nonprofits, Gwendolyn's areas of expertise include leadership development, implementing merit-based pay processes, diversity, equity, and inclusion, facilitation and training, and change management. Starting her career in cost accounting in paper manufacturing and earning her designation as a certified public accountant set the stage for a wonderful career in corporate. Gwendolyn was selected to co-chair the Chairman's Diversity Council responsible for developing the Blueprint for Diversity, which set the stage for her being the first manager of diversity and inclusion for international paper. This was the culmination of experience gained leading DEI initiatives at the functional and divisional levels. Gwendolyn says all too often, great individual contributors are promoted to leadership positions. Great technicians make poor leaders. The habit of promoting great technicians without added support in developing leadership skills will ultimately stall or stop a career, leaving lots of carnage in its wake. That is why, as president of RIX International, Gwendolyn stands for equipping leaders to build the best teams that achieve uncommon results every day. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gwendolyn. Thank you, Kim. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited. I know I just said a whole lot of things from your professional bio. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about yourself that's not so formal. Absolutely. I'm actually uh, located here in Memphis, Tennessee. So for those of you who have been here, I encourage you to come again. My husband and I uh, reside in a small town called Collierville on the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee. I've been here actually today, just May 23 years. I moved here from Cincinnati, Ohio. And then prior to that, I was in Florida. So I kind of moved around quite a bit in my career, but I'm very happy to be here and we are thriving here in Memphis. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here today again. Thank you, Kim. You are so welcome. So help our audience understand on a little deeper level, what is your connection to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Right. I'm glad you asked. It's really interesting because as I think about the evolution of DEI, when I first became engaged with diversity, equity, and inclusion, we had a diversity council, which was charged with bringing diverse individuals into the organization and the finance function. Then it became diversity and inclusion because what they found was that just because you bring individuals who are diverse into an organization, it doesn't mean it's that they have a voice or they feel connected. And then it became diversity, equity, and inclusion. Inclusion because you had diverse candidates who were visible. They finally had more of a voice in the organization, but they were undervalued, hence the piece around equity. 
I have noticed as this has evolved even more to now D, E, I, and B, that piece around belonging. How do you ensure that everyone feels welcome in your organization? That's been my involvement uh, with DEI. I don't mind sharing this with you all, but I grew up in a segregated South. I was born into a segregated South. At the time when I was going to grade school, there was the ruling that was designed for integration, but what we got was desegregation. Even from a small child being involved in efforts to bring more diversity into the school, into the workplace. And now I do that as a profession of showing organizations how to become more diverse, but also inclusive around pay equity. Excellent. That leads me right into my next question about how your work in DEI informs your work with gender pay gap, because that's how I got to know you. You were really talking about gender pay gap, and I thought, oh, I need to hear more about that. Absolutely. As I mentioned, when I was incorporated, I was involved in an ad hoc level, even before I moved into a formal role as a manager of diversity and inclusion at International Paper. I was involved in diversity initiatives, but I realized as I look back over my experience, very little was focused on the equity piece, especially as it relates to the gender pay gap. As I began to do some research around pay equity, the pay gap is closing some, but it's still on average about 82%. That really affects women in the workplace in a major way. What I had shifted to helping women understand how they can better advocate on their behalf and learn how to close their pay gap. I did a stint of about eight years as a career transition coach, and I saw so many individuals who were downsized to no fault of their own, and they were let go from their jobs. They were forced into a situation where they had to look for a new job. One of the weaknesses that I discovered was that oftentimes, and women in particular, had trouble crafting their statement and negotiating salary. And so sometimes because they were in that state, they would take what was offered because they needed a job. What happens is sometimes women, we get into jobs and we don't really understand that we're underpaid. And then when we realize that we're underpaid, we don't know what to do about it. So I created Zap the Gender Pay Gap to, first of all, to make people aware to expose the gender pay gap, but also to determine and to disclose how do you close that gender pay gap so that you can eliminate it in reality for you. That's kind of how I got into the pay equity piece and coaching women on how to close their gender pay gap. When you say zap the gender pay gap, is that a company that you've created or a program? What is that? It is a podcast. I actually have a podcast series that I launched earlier this year. I've just turned six months old. I share with women around the fact that there is a gender pay gap. Some people don't believe it. Some people aren't aware of it to educate them on the fact that the gender pay gap does exist. I also have a coaching program to show women how to close their pay gap and scale their pay. Because once you learn how to negotiate salary in one position, now you have a roadmap to be able to negotiate and to advocate for equitable pay in all future positions that you advance to. It seems so true. I work with couples and I find that you're right about 
women, we've been socialized, acculturated, whatever you want to say, to really not ask for what we want. We think that our merit, our hard work, our husbands should just know what we want and give it to us. We're not that great at asking for what we want in an effective way. I love that you talk about that. I also want to talk to you because I'm aware, and I'm sure you're acutely aware, there's not just a gender pay gap, but if you look at the pay gap with women of color, it's even worse. You said 82% for women in general, but what about women of color? When you look at women of color, it's 82% on average for women overall. But when you dissect the numbers for women of color, it can be in the 70s. Another piece that exacerbates the numbers are the occupation. Many times women are targeted and pointed towards occupations that tend to be lower paying occupations. But you're absolutely right. Women overall, the gender pay gap is about 82%, but it is much worse for women of color, specific Pacific Islanders, Native and Pacific Islanders. Mm. Wow. What do you want women to know in the workplace about the gender pay gap? What's important for us to really know? Well, a couple things. First of all, to find out if the pay gap exists for them. My approach is not to go and ask the men you work with what their pay is, you know, but my approach is to look at what you're currently paid compared to what you should be earning. How do I do that? Every job has a grade and a pay scale. We should be privy to that information. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about pay systems. Oftentimes we are affected by a pay system, but we really don't know much about the ins and outs of that pay system. I ask women often, what's your pay grade? Some say, I don't know. The question is, will you ask so you will know what that pay range is? What I encourage women to do is to look at based on your performance and based on your grade, what are you earning? The other piece too, and I'm going to be talking about the three challenges that women face in the workplace is being underestimated, underrated, and undercompensated. And all of those affect pay not only now, but in the long term. I share with women, a lot of times with performance evaluations, they tend to be more subjective than objective. So how do you get facts? How do you get support? Not just I did this activity, but how did that activity add value? When I can show how I add value to the organization, that ups my value. How we talk about what we do. That would be my approach to share with women. I will talk with women in groups, but I find that because there are a lot of emotions related to pay and what we earn, that oftentimes one-on-one is the best type of conversation because then that particular woman in the workplace feels more comfortable talking about her particular and specific situation. Yeah, I could Mm -hmm. see that for sure. Mm -hmm. How are you uniquely positioned to help women close their gender pay gap, Gwendolyn? Uh, A couple things. As I said, I have been actually in four (laughs) Fortune 100 companies. 
I've actually been on diversity councils, but I've also served on a pay and performance task force to be able to understand how pay systems work. And then the other piece, I've also been a leader where I've actually led individuals and other leaders to be able to oversee and govern this process related to pay and performance. So I bring all of that along with this desire for equity, this desire for fairness, a desire for justice. I share with women on my podcast and I say, women, we work hard for our money. We might as well take home all of it. We don't leave any left on the table. I call this gender pay gap the elephant in the room that very few people are talking about. How can we have some very candid conversations, not only about the fact that it exists, but what can we do to be able to close the pay gap for ourselves? I like that you put the power back with the women. Because why, if you're a business owner, are you going to just volunteer to give more money to one of your employees who isn't asking for it? That's really an odd thought to think that that would just happen. Maybe if you have a really top performer that you want to make sure doesn't go anywhere else, you might do that. But it would be rare that an employer would want to part with some of their money to give you more without you actually asking for it. That seems like such a simple thing. But if we women just sit back and wait for that to happen, we're not going to close that pay gap. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. You know that my show is called Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. So I like to ask my guests, of all the choices you've made in your life, can you share one that's had a significant positive impact on you? Absolutely. It's really interesting. And I'm so glad you asked me that, Kim. I mentioned that today marks the 23rd anniversary of my coming here to Memphis, Tennessee from Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was talking with my husband about this. I came here kicking and screaming. I came here as a result of an acquisition. Champion Paper Company was acquired by International Paper Company. So I came to Memphis kicking and screaming. But as I reflect back on that decision, that choice, it has changed my life in so many ways. I came here unmarried. About six years after arriving here, I met the man of my dreams, who is my husband. I'm very thankful for that. I also left corporate and joined my husband in business. That was a life-changing event to go from employee to employee to entrepreneur. Shortly after I made that move, someone looked at me and said, boy, you're a risk taker. I had never seen myself in that light before, and it actually brought me to tears. It really helped me see that I could do something different, that I could survive, if you will, not only survive, but thrive outside of an employment situation. So that has been life-changing. And it has really freed me to become who I believe I was created to be. I thought I was going to die and go to heaven from Cincinnati, but that was not in the plans for me. That was a move and a change that I made that changed literally my life. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel a camaraderie with you because I <laughs> left my job in 2004 and packed up my things and towed my car with a U-Haul and drove from Pennsylvania, Northeast Pennsylvania to <laughs> Chicago. And I've never looked back. I love living in Chicago and started my own business here where nobody knew me. 
probably not the smartest thing, but I have really been very happy here. And the good news is I get to go back to Pennsylvania at least six times a year because there's a company there that hires me and I get to see my kids and my grandkids and everything is great. So I understand how location and all that comes with it can really change your life. So thank you. Absolutely. Uh Uh-huh. We're coming to the end of our time together. And I just want to ask if there's anything you'd like to add that we didn't already get to talk about. One thing that I would say to women who are listening is to think about where you are at this point in time. If you're in the workplace to actually think about if you are being underpaid in your current position. And to think about the implications of that, because not only does it affect the quality of life now, but it also affects the quality of life after we leave the workplace. So I would really encourage women who are listening, Kim, I actually listened to your stages of change. And you talked about pre-contemplation, I think it was. And then it moved to contemplation, I believe, is is stage number two. So I would encourage your listeners to move from pre-contemplation to contemplation around the pay gap to see if they're caught in the pay gap, to see if they're being underestimated and underrated and also undercompensated because it affects our lives now as well as our future. So true. Do you have anything coming up you'd like to tell our audience about? Absolutely. Yes. A couple things. I will be speaking at an HR's Assurum Summit here, DEI Summit here in Memphis, Tennessee on October 18th. So if you're in the Memphis area, I would love to have you join us there if you're an HR professional. I also will be speaking at our local chamber around DEI and its impact to the bottom line, specifically talking about this piece around equity as well. And that will be on September the 26th. If you're in the Memphis area, I would love for you to join me. And of course, please check out my podcast, Sap the Gender Pay Gap. You can find it on YouTube and elsewhere on Spotify and Apple where uh, you find your favorite podcast. And so I would love it if you would listen in and hear what I have to say and be able to have some takeaways to improve your quality of life as it relates to pay equity. Excellent. How could people reach you if they're looking for more information, Gwendolyn? A couple of ways. Actually, GwendolynJTucker.com is a way. And also on LinkedIn, that's how Kim and I met and communicated on LinkedIn after we were in a business meeting, as she mentioned, with another business meeting. And so, but GwendolynJTucker.com, as well as on LinkedIn, I would love to hear from you. All right. Excellent. I really appreciate you joining us today, Gwendolyn. I knew you were going to be a great guest and you did not disappoint. I'm so happy we were able to learn more about the gender pay gap. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when we'll be continuing the topic of DEIB with Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.